Hello and welcome to the Raptor Show, powered by DoorDash on Sportsnet 590 The Fan. I'm your host, Will Lou. A reminder, we are streaming live on Sportsnet's YouTube channel and airing live on Sportsnet 360. I'm joined by producer and co-host Alex Wong. Um, first off, good morning. It's probably the earliest I've ever seen you in my life. Yeah, thanks for bringing in the breakfast. That's right. This morning. Yeah. From McDonald's. Appreciate you. Yeah, man. I texted you. I was like, listen, I got to, you know, I got to bring my brother up when, when he's down. No, I appreciate it, man. And oh. you told me I'm going to get there for exactly <laughs> 9.50 for our 10 a.m. show. And I was like, that's no problem. That's, you got five minutes to eat the breakfast. That's, yeah, that's, you well, know, McDonald's has really made their breakfast perfectly timed for you to eat it in five minutes. Because they know you're ordering that thing because you're on your way to work. Yeah. And you need like a pick-me-up. And I, I got to say, that's, uh, the, that's the most positive thing that's happened to me in the last 12 hours. <laughs> yeah. I need more of a pick-me-up than uh, the hash brown that you brought me. So. Okay. But I should have no, got, got you two hash browns. I appreciate you. You could have fixed my water this morning. You know, my there was no hot water in my shower. You know, it's raining outside. It's tough, you know. It's tough yeah. when you're trailing 3-0. It's really tough. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, so you and I at the arena last night, Scotiabank, first playoff game in that building in over 1,000 days. I think 1,044 was the exact total between game five of the NBA Finals and this game. And... Uh, the Raptors lose. <laughs> yeah, the Raptors lose. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. Oh, listen, the Raptors if, if you're lost. tuning in right now at 10 a.m. Yeah. after watching that last night, late start to the game, 8 p.m. Yeah, you probably just got back from Jurassic Overtime. Park. Overtime. Yep. Just got home. You listen to the Raptors Reaction Podcast. Yeah, couldn't sleep after. Like me, was literally haunted. Like, I literally couldn't stop thinking about the play. Like, I had played the game or something. Mm. I'm thinking about the play. I was like, damn. If only they guard the inbound. I'm like, damn. Only Pascal, damn, you know, like if only Fred yeah. hit some shots. And I was like, I got to go to sleep. Yeah, I was snoring by like midnight probably. Oh, okay. So. All right. 2 a.m. I was still yeah. pretty haunted. Woke up, immediately thought about this play. Mm-hmm. On the suburb right here, watched a lot of the fourth quarter. Okay. Got to the office, got you the breakfast, sat down. We watched overtime together. Right. And um, yeah, 10 out of 10 do not recommend. Yeah. Just not like a healthy start to the day. We've been here before, so, though, unfortunately. I've been here before. I mean, I guess, but like, I thought we were past this. But it, it I guess doesn't we're make not. it. I guess it doesn't. We're not. It doesn't make it any easier. It doesn't make it any easier when you say you've been here and, and you go through all the painful moments of watching the Raptors in the playoffs. Because I think in the postseason, you live in the moment so much, right? Game to game, and even just play play to play, like you mentioned, like you've been thinking mm. about this play nonstop. So let's talk about this play then. Great. Okay. Great. <laughs> Let's do it, man. Once again, the Raptors are down 3-0. Mm-hmm. Thank you for tuning in. Um, Yo, for real, I see 124 people watching live on the YouTube. Shouts to all, That's 124 shouts to all 124 people. No, for real, man. Appreciate <clears throat> all of you. But yes, so the game is tied, mm-hmm. right? The, the Sixers come down court, and this is the end of overtime. And the shot clock is running down. Right, and the Raptors are playing good defense. Great they, defense. They stripped the ball from Joel Embiid, so he has to pick it up, basically just inside of half court as the shot clock is winding down. Mm-hmm. And what's happening on the court is, you know, Joel notices that the shot clock is running down to zero, so he basically just tosses up like a one-handed heat. Yeah, it was a Michael Ruffin against uh, Mo Pete. Right. Yeah, that kind of thing. And you would think, you know, shot clock expires and it's Raptors ball a chance to win, except wait. Glenn Rivers, by the way, it's Doc Rivers again, right? Officially. No, he completed, man. He completed early, actually. Yeah. he's on. It's like the Bobby Webster thing. He got his degree done in three years, took a year abroad in Barcelona. Yeah. 
is now deciding between the NBA and the CIA. Like, mm-hmm. that's that's Doc. Uh, wish Doctor Rivers. Wish Doc uh, <clears throat> chose the CIA. But yes, Doc sprints across half court to call a timeout with point nine seconds left on the shot clock. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I know after the game, there were people who pointed out within the rule book. Well, the coach um, is not allowed to go. Excuse me. According to uh, Section Three Point uh, <laughs> Subsection Fourteen, um, a coach is not permitted to leave uh, oh, the no, box man. area between oh, the sideline no. and the morning, bench. Morning and will. if you cross that, that's a technical foul. No, it's like come on, man. morning will. No, I think come I saw, on. I think I saw. Are you, some, no, Raptor fans, are yes. you serious? I think first off, like that happens every game. Have you never watched basketball? Like Nick does that all the time. And second of all, like the only thing I'm upset about is why didn't they give Nick the timeout? Why didn't Nick run onto the floor? And shake the referee and say, hey, I'm calling a timeout. I know there's only 0.5 seconds. Remember in, in regulation? Yes. He had his hand, you know, over his like, head calling the T. Yeah, he was like, uh, no. Yeah. Run onto the floor like Dr. Rivers. Yeah. Yeah, so anyways. Yeah, there's, there's other clips. Like, I think someone circulated a clip, too, of Dwayne Casey doing this in a Raptors. Cavs playoff game. Like, it's, it's happened Yo, it's a lot st- of times. No, it's standard practice. It, it's happened. It's, it's happened. super loud in the building. Yes. You can be screaming all you want. Like, I saw a play yesterday where... Nick was literally face-to-face with Pascal. He still had the, the hands cupping uh, to form, like, I guess, like a amplifier or whatever, and then just, like, yelling into Pascal's ear. That's how loud it was in the building. So if you want to get that timeout, how badly do you want it? Dr. Rivers wanted it. Yeah, he wanted that timeout, and he got it. So Sixers huddle up, drop a play. So on the inbound, it's Danny Green inbounding the ball. Yeah. Right? And... Nick decides to not put a defender on the inbounder. So before we get to the play, uh, thoughts on that strategy? I could get it. Um, first off, you have to understand all these things are happening in real time, right? You can, like, prepare for some of these scenarios in advance. Um, and I know coaches do meticulously. But at the same time, you know, you're still dealing with humans in a very pressured moment. I believe originally Fred had gone to the ball to go guard the inbound. But I think Nick waved him back and put him in the backcourt. I think he probably maybe saw or thought that the play was going to go one way. Maybe there's going to be some sort of backdoor lob. What I don't understand is, okay, so you, okay, you know, let's 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 break it down in multiple parts. So I'll, I'll get that in a second. But um, not defending the inbound. I mean, the the pros of not defending the inbound is you have an extra defender. We have you have it's five on four. Um, you. Um, can maybe dissuade passes in a certain direction. Like, let's say, for example, you had a bigger player and you stood him right under the basket for a 0.9 kind of thing. If someone tried to lob it up to the rim, you have someone defending it right away, right? You could take away a whole area of the floor. Um, you also have to consider in that situation defensive rebounding because there's like two, there's like 2.6 seconds or something like that, 0.9 on the shot clock. If they get the shot off, obviously you have to go and crash the glass. Literally everyone's going to be running to the glass. You have, instead of assigning a defender to half court, to cover the inbounder, you have an extra defender who can box out. Those are the pros. The cons are that you allow every single pass to be made as crisply as possible into players who, in this situation, again, we're talking about the finest of margins, right? We're, we're talking about trying to execute an inbound play with 0.9 and to score. The con is that every single pass is available and that not only is every pass available, you have to think about how crisp the pass is. Right. If you put someone on the inbounder, you can play it one of two ways. I guess you can sort of play it like what the defender basically adjacent to or parallel to the inbounder. 
right? If you take them to a, a, a parallel to the inbounder, you take away the top area of the floor. The ball probably wasn't going to go there anyway, but you you can take away that area. Or if you play them adjacent to the defender, you take away the pass along the sideline, which is ultimately what happened. And just because you put someone on the inbounder doesn't mean the pass can get in. But what it does, it, it makes the pass way harder. Like, you know what Danny Green did? He threw a chest pass straight into Joel Embiid's shooting pocket who turned and caught it and shot it. There was no, like, difficulty in rallying the pass or whatever. If you put an inbounder, and again, this is all morning, Monday morning quarterback. I guess this is Thursday morning quarterback. Yeah, you were saying that a lot on the React pod yesterday. I was enjoying that. Yeah, I don't even know what that <laughs> phrase means, man. But if you put someone on the inbounder, like Fred was going to do originally, Danny probably has to throw a bounce pass. He probably has to throw a shot fake first and then go there. Like, you know, there's a lot of things that you introduce in that situation where that pass is not going to be clean. Yeah, point, it's, point nine on the shot clock. Yeah, instead it's a wide open clean look. Yeah. So that alone is is just like the the debate on the 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 uh, the inbounder. I think there's another discussion we had about the personnel. Right, because I think there was some discussion of whether it made sense to even have Fred on the floor. Right. Look, if you're okay, so obviously Fred is a very good defender. To be honest, hasn't been that effective in this series. That's fine, right? Um. But generally speaking, a very good defender, someone you really, really trust in late game scenarios. However, if you're Nick Nurse and you're saying, okay, this is how I want to defend. I want to put nobody on the inbounder and I want to go five on four and I want to put somebody at the basket. Why would you put Fred Van Vliet of all people under the basket? Because what you're trying to say there is I have a free help defender standing in the middle of the paint. He can either read the play and see, oh, the pass is going over to the, to the rim for a backdoor lob. You can go over and protect. Or the play is going to go out to the perimeter, which is more likely. That person is going to sprint out and and then contest. You know who would have been perfect for that opportunity? Chris Boucher. Because mm-hmm. not only does Chris have the ability to block a shot, but what Chris is so good at is jumping out of the three-point shooter. And imagine if and instead of Fred Van Vliet there yesterday, all 5'10 of him, imagine that's Chris Boucher. He, he sees the pass going straight to, to, to Joel Embiid, sprints out, leaps out, and blocks the three. It's possible. That's just what he does. With 0.9 seconds left, you know exactly what's going to happen. There's not going to be no pump fake, nothing else. Like It's just going to be a shot. So the personnel didn't even make sense according to the strategy. Like if you if you wanted to guard it straight up with someone on the inbound, then I, I'm fine with Fred. But if you want Fred on the floor so that he can stand in the middle of the paint, and he did close out on, on Joel, imagine a 5'10 guy closing on you when you're 7'3". No, this is like Kevin Durant just shooting over anybody type. You don't even see him. Yeah. Yeah. So the pass goes from Danny Green to Embiid, and Embiid hits a ridiculous three-pointer. Not really that ridiculous, to be honest. He was open. He had the point nine to get it off. super open. Super, super open. Again, the pass is right there because there's no pressure on the pass. There's also, uh, in terms of the execution, it was really good. Tobias Harris with... Again, people are going to be like, oh, the moving screen, whatever. Bro, <laughs> again, have you seen with? basketball? But anyway, voice, so whatever. So Tobias Harris comes through with a, with a running block and, and, and um, discharges Precious. Now, in that situation, you're supposed to switch everything. So to, um, Tobias, the person guarding Tobias Harris, which was Gary Trent Jr., should have called it out or at least known to, I'm going to go switch onto Joel. For, I mean, would he have done too much if he had switched onto Joel? I don't know. But ultimately... There was no switch that happened. Gary actually took a step in the wrong direction, away from the play. Precious got screened, which is nothing of his own fault. You're going to get screened in a lot of these late-game scenarios. 
and then Embiid got really free. And listen, at, at the end of the day, you have to give Dr. Rivers a lot of credit to get that timeout, to get that play drawn up, because that was just going to be a turnover for the Sixers. And the Raptors were going to have a chance with a, how, I don't know, maybe a second, maybe or basically around the same amount of time to try to do something. They probably weren't going to score. They're probably going to go to double overtime. But the later that game went, you would have thought the Raptors would have had a better and better chance because Joel Embiid um, was the one scoring for them. But Tyrese Maxey was missing jumpers. Tobias Harris wasn't really scoring. He missed a tip at the end of regulation. And James Harden had fouled out. And George's Nanning was on the floor. Like, there's a lot of opportunities that the later that game went, I would have felt better and better for the Raptors. But Dr. Rivers saved the Sixers. Man, it's tough. It's really difficult. Yeah, I think that's a really good point you mentioned, too, about, you know, the alternate scenario of having someone on the inbound. I mean, I think we saw it in the next play, right? Because the Raptors had .8 seconds left, and they couldn't get a playoff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Guess what? You know someone was guarding the inbounder. Mm-hmm. Someone huge. They put DeAndre Jordan in the game for the first time in the series. Guarding the inbounder. Seven I mean, foot tall. Turns out it's hard to pass around him. Couldn't even win the DeAndre Jordan minutes. <laughs> couldn't, couldn't even win the point eight seconds. Yep. Oh, man. Yeah, well, you mentioned, too, the Raptors had a lot of opportunities to put this game away. And I think if you're looking back at this game getting away and, you know, clearly 3-0, you know, the series is effectively over. And I think that's a discouraging thing, too, because you look back at how they played, you know, coming out in the first half. And, you know, for a, a lot of, you know, the first 48 minutes, like you saw like the Raptors identity, right? Like, like they went, mm-hmm. they played defense really well. You know, the role players were stepping up. Gary had the best game of the series. Chris and Precious came off the bench early and had, had a great impact. Even Malachi Flynn. Yep. You know, the new. No, Matthew seriously, Galagadova. he got so many stops for the Raptors. It was very impressive. Yeah. And the Raptors opened up, uh, I think the largest lead was 17 points and they were up 10 at the half. Mm-hmm. Gave all of that back basically in the third quarter when Joel Embiid had 18 points. So they were up one going into the fourth. And they had opportunities at the end too, right? You know, in, in that final minute of play when James Harden only made one of two free throws to tie. Precious mm-hmm. comes back on the other end, draws a sixth foul mm-hmm. on Harden. So I think there's like, I want to say like 27 seconds left on the clock, something like that. Yep. Precious goes to the line with a chance to tie. And I think all of us, like me and you in the radio booth, um, we're like, yeah, he's going to make one of two. Yeah, no, one Precious two, is right. so good for one of two. Right. But when Which he I would have taken. Yes. It's a tie game. One of two, I mean, like, it's not ideal, but it's fine. Take the lead. Yeah. You know. And then defend, which and the Raptors defend. would have gone to win. Yep. But, but Precious. You missed both. Missed both. By the way, real funny. And, and, so first off, like, so Doc, or, yeah, Dr. Rivers challenged the play, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so there's already a delay. You're thinking about it the whole time for Precious. It's like, you're probably in your head. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, I got to make these. I got to make these. I got to make these, right? Goes to the free throw line, misses the first one. All right. Fred comes over, stops on the chest, like, you got this, bro. You got mm-hmm. this. All right, you got the next one. And I never seen this before, but the official messed up the the bounce pass back to the player. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> he literally just like dropped the ball on the ground. I was like, what is going on? I was like, yo, on top of all the other pressure and and the, the review icing you and all the uh, everything like that, <laughs> the ref's gonna drop the ball. Like, I'm like, okay. I'm this this is not a conspiracy. I'm just saying it was funny watching in the moment because I was like, what? Should have launched a should have launched a refuse suck chant right there. Um, yeah, it was a WTF moment for sure. Yeah. So Precious misses both, and they come back on the other end. And Bede has a three. He misses. Tobias Harris gets the rebound right mm-hmm. at the basket and misses 
By the way, Embiid the missed the three at the end of regulation from the same spot that he hit the three at the end of yeah. overtime. Well, listen. Difference was that Precious was contesting. Yeah. Not not the narrative, you know, we want to talk about today, but we all know the last time Embiid was in Toronto for a playoff game mm-hmm. was the game seven Kawhi four-bound shot. Yep. And from a narrative standpoint, it's it's amazing for him to come back in this building yep. and hit that three and effectively end the series. Uh, on Precious, so he had 20 points and six rebounds. Played a really nice game. Awesome game. I thought even when the Sixers went to zone, mm. like he was the one that was attacking the basket and kind of breaking that a little bit. And it just played a great game. He said after the game, quote, it's a learning experience. I'll move on and move forward from it. Nick Nurse also said that he doesn't want Precious to live with those missed free throws. He said, quote, he was really effective and forceful out there tonight. Yep, absolutely. I'm really proud of the way that he played. Me yeah, too. I feel the same way. Absolutely. Listen, feel the same way. This made me feel really excited because Precious played up to his potential in a very, very pivotal playoff series. The Raptors don't get into an opportunity to take the game at the end there without Precious playing that well throughout the course of the game. As you mentioned in the zone thing. So, again, Dr. Rivers, really great job coaching this game. Went to the zone. In the second quarter. Now, I always thought the Sixers would zone eventually, right? Like, that was going to be their counter, right? The Raptors played so poorly in the first two games, they didn't have the counter. They could just throw their fastball. No, no, no curveballs, nothing like that, right? The Raptors made that game tough. They were up 17, and they're like, all right, Dr. Rivers is like, all right, now I have to make my first adjustment of the series. I'm going to play zone against them. Now, this is something that you could have seen coming for sure because teams literally zoned. Their, like, there was a game this season where the Raptors got zoned from the first quarter. I think it was the Nets. Remember, the Raptors put the Nets twice after the All-Star break. And they won both games. But the second game was really tough because the Nets zoned them for literally better than three quarters. Now, I always thought that, okay, well, if the Raptors have all their guys available and they got more shooters available, maybe zoning them is going to be a little tough. However, the Sixers zoned the Raptors from the second quarter onward and effectively did it for major parts of the game for the rest of the game. And um, one of the big things with the zone is, okay, they're zoning you. You have to get that ball into the middle to a playmaker, someone who can score in that situation, someone who can make a play in that situation, and someone who can make a pass in that situation. The perfect guy for that is Pascal. Fits his skill set perfectly. But I don't know what was going on. The Raptors just could not get the ball into the middle of the zone. It took forever. Like for Nick, okay, so the the, the Sixers went to zone. They played like one or two possessions, and then Nick was immediately like, okay, I'm going to get my shooters into the game. You saw, right? Like this is the second quarter. He brought Fred and Gary back in early because you need shooters against the zone. He did that, right? Now, the players, their job is to execute and try to get the ball into the middle and beat the zone. And this is something we've seen over the course of the whole season. They just can't do it. It's really frustrating. Like, you would think a team like the Raptors, who zoned the other team, the opposing team, as much as possible defensively, would know how to at least attack areas in the zone. But they don't. They, they struggle with it. And to your point about Precious, he actually bailed the Raptors out of those two zone possessions where he would make the second cut which about like five, six seconds left in the shot clock, which is already not ideal to give Precious the ball to make a play with five or six seconds left in the shot clock. But you got to give Precious a lot of credit. He got the ball and he took a strong to the, the, the basket. The other thing that I was concerned about watching this game, how many guys wanted to attack the basket? Like I understand Joel Embiid's on the other side. He's like arguably the best shot blocker in the game. But you still have to attack. And who went to the basket? OG went to the basket. Precious went to the basket. That's why they had great games. Their main guys were afraid to attack the basket. How many times do we see at the end of the game? Oh, you know what? You know, second half, I was like, all right. Third quarter, Sixers making their run. Embiid has like 18 in the quarter. They really lose control of him. Um, you know, th- he brings them back into the game. They're only down one into the fourth quarter. And then I was like, okay, Pascal's going to be on the floor. Embiid's going to be on the floor. 
Pascal's got to go. This is the time. You got to go. You got to go. You know? And at no point did he go. He had no field goals made in the second half and or overtime. Yeah. I mean, we were in here yesterday. Zero. Yeah. No, we were in here yesterday talking about our wish list for game three. And, you know, we both said, you know, we wanted an all-NBA performance. You wanted Pascal to take 25 shots. He ended up taking 16. Six of 16, 12 points, five rebounds, four assists in 48 minutes. Talked about all the role players, by the way. Shouts to Kem, too. I thought mm-hmm. Kem did a really good job on Joel Embiid. The physicality was great. He was out there. Yep. And, you know, we all we already mentioned Malachi. already mentioned Precious, Chris, even Gary. OG, which we'll get to. Like, all the guys stepped up, but the two main guys, Fred and Pascal, did not deliver. No, no. And listen, um, for Pascal, I mean, like, I, I'm sympathetic. I mean, that's the thing. It's so hard to have this conversation because you know what's going to happen, right? You criticize Pascal. Pascal's a bad game. The reaction online is always going to be so negative. Yes, yes. But we can separate that on this show because... I agree. I agree. I'm just going to yes. say that, though. Like, I, I just want to be conscious of that because it's... Yes. I mean, quite frankly, I just want to do my job. You know that. Yeah, yeah. And I'm going to talk about the basketball portion of it, but people are going to take it too far. Of course. But here's the thing. That's like, yeah, we're not here to just say that Pascal didn't come through in a must-win game for the team. Like, I kind of want to want to understand why. Okay, so um, first off, the Sixers have done a really good job guarding him, period. If it's on the perimeter, Tobias Harris is going to body up on him. I don't think Pascal has used his quickness well enough against Tobias Harris. He's, like, trying to back him down a lot of the time. That's why you're neutralizing your advantage. You're not going to be that quick backing a guy down. For, and Tobias is super physical with him. And to, bear, to be fair, Tobias is, like, stronger than Pascal. So it doesn't make sense to back him down if you're the, the skinnier guy. Maybe you want to get the spin move, whatever, but we haven't seen that much either, right? What makes more sense if you face up and attack? One of the issues, though, is you see from Pascal, his handle looks shaky again. Mm-hmm. How many opportunities yesterday did he go for a ball and then, like, had to lose the handle and have to reset and something like that? Like, the handle has been so sharp for him all season. Part of the reason why he's been so effective. But he was losing the handle a lot. Um, maybe he chucked up the nerves, quite frankly. Because when I was looking at my own hand when I was watching this game, <laughs> I was shaking, shaking, bro. No, it was, I was shaking. All right? This guy was shake Milton? No, I was, <laughs> we were all shake Milton in no, there. No, I was man. shook Milton after no, I was, I was, sh- I was shake through. Toronto. <laughs> oh, I was man. shake downtown. Uh, anyway, uh, so... Um, you know, the handle was loose. I think in the opportunities where he was able to attack face up, get into a spot deeper than the paint and then turn around, he was gonna he was good at doing that. That was the only thing that he did well offensively yesterday. But in the second half, not a single field goal made. And what was more concerning to me was did I see the aptitude to try to attack? Because if there's one thing I'll give Fred credit for, and there's not a lot you're gonna give Fred credit for after a three or thirteen performance, okay? Like, really, there isn't. His time's coming, too. But at least Fred took the shots. The shots are there. You're the leader of the team. Whether you make or miss, the opportunity's there. You have to attack. And if you miss it, okay, you got to live with it. But at least you played the game, right? I'm looking at opportunities in the second half, especially in the fourth quarter in overtime. Pascal's got Georges Niang on him. If there's one good matchup for Pascal all series, it's Georges Niang. Doesn't take him off the dribble, doesn't score on him, doesn't look to attack him. Later in overtime, the, the Raptors um, are playing largely Fred and Pascal pick and roll. Um, Embiid had just hit a turnaround jumper, 
to put them up one after OG hit a tough three to put them up one. Okay. OG then forces Embiid into a, a, a miss on a fadeaway. And it's a minute left. Fred and Pascal pick and roll. And this is something that was concerning as I was watching it happen. was just like, you saw Pascal not take chances against uh, Niang. You, thought, you saw him not take chances against Danny Green. And towards the end of the game, it was like, okay, fine. We'll use him as a screener, right? The reason you use him as a screener is because you want to involve Embiid in the pick and roll. He's dropping back in the paint most of the time. That's the main effectiveness of the Sixers' defense is that there's a threat of Embiid lurking in the paint. So you use his defender to come screen for the ball because he's going to drop back in the paint and there's going to be a two-on-one. And so they did that with Fred and Pascal. Pascal screening for Fred. And a lot of the times, they were getting open space to play that pick and roll. In fact, if, they, if they're in film session right now, they're probably looking at it and like they're kicking themselves. Because there's so many chances. As good as as good as Embiid is as a defender, there's so many gaps in that defense. And Fred was missing the pull-up threes. You know, he hit one. But ultimately, you know, against the, the, the drop defense there, you know, you'd have to hit one or two of those. Eventually, though, the Sixers started to come up on Fred as well on the level of the screen. So two defenders will come to Fred as he come off that pick and roll. And he has to make that pocket pass to Pascal, and Pascal has to make an aggressive move to attack because there's space. You've momentarily shifted and beat out of the way. You make that quick pocket pass, and you go. Who are you afraid of coming over to contest in that shot? Are you afraid of Georges Niang coming over to block you? Danny Green, Tobias Harris? None of those guys. You go. And twice in that overtime period, first time, they set the screen. Fred hits Pascal with the pocket pass early. Pascal doesn't even roll. It's like his like mind went blank. It's like a basic play. You roll in that situation. You absolutely, you see two defenders going to the ball, you roll. And he doesn't roll. The ball almost dribbles out of bounds. Luckily, he's got long arms. He crowds it. He gives it back to Gary Trent. Gary has to isolate against Tobias Harris. And, and like, man, his handle is, is, is tough. <laughs> that thing looks tough. Um, so he couldn't get the shot off. Whatever. A couple minutes later, they do the exact same play. Fred and Pascal, two defenders go to Fred again. Fred looks for the pocket pass. Pascal doesn't roll again. And you know he doesn't want to hang on the perimeter. Because you know Pascal's not trying to go pick and pop for three. You're supposed to roll. And he doesn't roll. He doesn't move. And Fred's like, okay, damn it. Now I'm stuck. Two defenders on me. He takes a pull-up three, a step-back three, actually, over um, Tyrese Max. He's not the best shot. I understand. But, like, it's a team game. And you expect your leaders to be there for you, man. It's such an opportunity missed. And there's so many... Uh, I don't know, man. You you come through this whole season. You watch the whole season, right? This all redemption arc and everything like that. Pascal's played at an all-NBA level. That doesn't invalidate any of that. That That is what happened in the regular season. And then come time for the playoffs, what was the response? And it's not saying that he's always going to be doing this. This is, like, inherent to his character. This is not defamation of his play. This is just, like, talking about what happened in the game. Mm-hmm. And if your main guy's not taking chances like that, meanwhile, and beats taking all those jumpers... You're going to lose. And quite frankly, how often are you going to win playoff series if your top guy is, is... Like, I'm not even talking about, like, oh, you got ISO, hit a turnaround, jump over two guys, all that stuff. I'm talking about basics. It's, it's disappointing, man. It's just disappointing. Yeah, you said no field goals in the second half, right? Yeah. Pascal? No field goals in the second half and overtime. No, it's disappointing. And you could see in the overtime, like you mentioned, just the difference between the number one guys on the two teams. Yeah. No, it's a different sort of approach, man. And, like, if he had taken those chances and he missed, we'd probably still be in here and criticizing 
you know, because let's be real, part of our job is to be fans. Another half of the job is to be haters. Let's be real, fans are haters half the time. If you look online right now, there's so much criticism, and that's fine. If it's just time about basketball, that's totally fine. But it gets too far. I don't know. It's, the conversation is really tough. And you know what? Honestly, the other part is just like, I mean, Fred, Fred, what is what is Fred shooting lines in this series? Man? Oh, I got you. Bro. Oh, okay. Come on, tell me the okay. So three three games, Fred VanVleet is shooting what? Fred VanVleet is shooting. This is actually not as bad as you think. Thirty seven percent from the field and thirty six percent from three. Now. Okay. The, in game two, I like how we're just made to accept this, by the way. Okay, no, but I keep going, yeah. But in game two, he was 7 of 23, 5 of 16 from three. Last night, 3 of 13 from the field, 2 of 10 from, from three. I think it's funny you mentioned talking about the conversation around Pascal. I, I do think Pascal gets a lot of the criticism and maybe not as much on Fred sometimes, right? But I, but I think if you're just talking about last night's game, the two main guys didn't deliver. Mm-hmm. The two main guys didn't deliver, yeah. especially when you got performances. You want to talk about cliches, like, you know, they say role players play better at home. A lot of the role players played a lot better at home. Oh, yesterday. so much better. And like I mentioned, this looked like the Raptors team that we were used to seeing towards the end of the regular season. And I think coming into this series, people were expecting every game to play out in this kind of way. Uh-huh. Like this was the type of game that people were expecting over seven games. And, you know, we got one of them. And the Raptors had so many opportunities to get back into the series. Nick Nurse said after the game last night, basically confirmed that Scotty's going to be back for game four. Um, and, you know, would have been 2-1 with Scotty Barnes back, another game at home to even the series, make it a best of three, blah, blah, blah. But uh, those are all what-ifs now. It's 3-0. And you know what's worse than all the playoff cliches that I've been throwing out this week is is the playoff cliches when you're down 3-0. Oh, no, no, that's the worst ones. Fred Van Fleet after the game yesterday, quote, Oh, no. There's no room to look around and feel sorry for ourselves, number one. We did a lot of good things tonight. We played a lot of minutes of great basketball, and we're going to have to do it again. We're playing for our pride. Oh, two, no, no, that's the killer. That's pride the killer. is on the line. You know how many times I heard DeMar and, and Kyle and, and <laughs> Casey say we're playing for our pride? No, man, we're really back here, damn. Yeah, so so worst cliches Damn. for 3-0. Uh, number one, like you mentioned, we're playing for pride. Number two, I'm expecting to hear this. The Raptors are not practicing today, so they'll practice tomorrow and talk. Someone's going to say we can't look back now. We just have to look ahead. They like said the, don't yeah. look back in anger? <laughs> is that where the, we're at? Then? The pass is uh, you know, behind us. God. And then the last one, I guarantee someone's going to say this. Too. We need to make a bingo card. We just have to take it one game at a time. If we get one, we can go from there. I would. Yeah. I said that about yesterday's game. <laughs> you, you know how tough this week has been for us. And listen, yeah, tough in like a relative sense because yes, we get to course. talk about the Raptors. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. Okay, just say it. our boss I, isn't looking through us at the window to, right I now. I get to free. <laughs> are they? Uh, you know, I get free breakfast. Um, but like uh, Monday, we came in to recap a game one loss. Uh huh. Tuesday, we came in to recap a game two loss. Mm-hmm. Wednesday was kind of fun, <laughs> but people were like, "Stop talking about Scotiabank Arena food." And then today, you know, 10 in the morning, not a morning person to talk about a game three loss. So can we please just have a Raptor show where we can talk about a playoff win? Yeah. Please. Win one for us. <laughs> yeah, seriously. That's the other one. Win, win, one, win, win one, one for, for the, the fans. Win one for the Lootubers. Win one for the people in Jurassic Park. No, nah, for real, man. Win one for, uh, I was going to say Kawhi, but no, <laughs> not today. Not no, the I right timing. That. I missed that, dude. Not the right timing. No, but let's take a break, and then when we come back, we'll talk a little bit, um, you know, try to have an arena report, see if you're into that, and then... <laughs> see if you're into that. <laughs>
<laughs> See, oh, you know, Lord. we're going to test it out, you know, <laughs> test it out. Let's talk about OG a little bit, too, yeah, because yeah. I think he's been yeah, he a real be bright spot in this series. He's yeah, been absolutely. the best player in this series for the Raptors. Um, and and Drake. We have to talk about Drake, the Let's photo with Joel Embiid. So we'll do all that after the break. There you go. I'm your host, Willu. That's Alex Wong. You're listening to The Raptors Show, powered by DoorDash on Sportsnet 590. The Fan. Discussing the biggest stories that matter to Toronto sports fans. The Fan Morning Show with J.D., Blake, and Alish. Be sure to subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to The Raptor Show, powered by DoorDash on Sportsnet 590, The Fan. I'm your host, Wolu. Continue to be joined by producer and co-host Alex Wong. Just want to let this run a little bit, man. Yeah. Yeah. I know people are listening to the podcast won't hear it. That's why you got to listen to it live. You know? Yeah. The dulcet tones. Nah. Don't wake up till noon, man. Yeah. This is your life advice? No, no, no. Not my life advice. Morning's <laughs> fine. It's just your life routine. <laughs> I mean, like, you know, morning show. You know, producer of the morning show, Danielle, was just in here. And we can't complain. He's like, I've been up since 3.30. Because they do their show from 6 to 10. Yeah, I know. Every day. No, that's a real grind. Yeah, that is that is a real grind. But is it going to stop me from complaining? Definitely not. That's what happens when you come from generational wealth. Yeah. You're like, uh, I'm uh, inconvenienced uh, in life. That's uh, not what's supposed to happen. It sounds better when I say it as a half joke. Um, okay. Arena yeah. report with Let's the Raptors do down 3-0 yesterday at the start of the game. Well, before the start of the game, about two hours actually, arrived at the arena Hanging out. Oh man, that, was, that might have been the biggest mistake yesterday. Was not uh, not putting a, a defender on the inbounder or putting Fred as the the shot. You know, by the way, the picture of Fred just standing by himself in the paint like a lost child in a mall. <laughs> what uh, was he doing there, man? What was he gonna do? No, seriously. Even if they threw a lob, what's what's Fred gonna do? Jump up there and swat that thing? Like, come on, man. What was he doing? Who, who was the other defender that was there? There was Fred and there was someone else. Right? Was there? I yeah, thought everyone was else was matched person. up. I thought everyone was matched up. I man, think man there at the was top. another person, but like. <laughs> Who, if there was someone there, he needed to jump on his back. <laughs> Fred needed to, use him as a Fred needed to put like, on a, put on a trench coat, oh, and they Lord. needed to stack three kids. Yeah. and swat Joel and Beto. Anyways, what were we talking about? Oh yeah, yeah arena. Also, since I had the biggest mistake, my bad. Yes, was me going to the arena for four forty five or for four thirty actually. Yeah, and um, man, well, you, nothing going on at the arena three and a half hours before. Yeah. I'll tell you that much. Yeah, well, you learned your lesson for uh, next year. You know what I got to see? I got to see the dance crew practice their whole routine. Okay, that's a deep warm-up report. Uh, anyways, Matt Devlin came up to you before the game. Oh, yes. Yeah. Salute to Matt Devlin. Put, put his... him, you know what he said? He called himself my Raptor dad. He is. He is. That's I really nice, man. I almost booked him yesterday just to give you like a pep talk on the show. And he put his, you know, he put his, you know, hand, you know, around your shoulder and said, are you okay? He just wanted to know if you were okay. And... He was like, you know, I'm sorry your boy Utah didn't check in game two. Because <laughs> I guess he saw your Utah Watanabe tweet. Uh, I told him Show that wasn't Matt serious, Devlin. man. Come on. Matt Devlin's honestly just great energy. He really is. Like, aside from everything else, just being a great guy, great announcer, all of that stuff. Yeah. Just great energy for Matt. And then we headed out to Jurassic Park a little bit. Well, again, like we said, we were there mad early. That was also the earliest you've been to a game this season. Mm-hmm. Right? You were there. Honestly, you were there like two and a half hours early at least. Yeah. Yeah, so wanted to soak in the vibes. You wanted know? to soak in the vibes. To me, honestly, I wanted to watch um, the warm ups in particular in this game because 
so Fred was the first to warm up for the Raptors. No one cares about this, but whatever. He's honestly he was missing a lot of shots. <laughs> you finally realize this after an entire season no, no, no. of warm up reports. Then I was gonna be like, okay, the reason I really want to be here early is because I don't want to miss Scotty Barnes if he is gonna come back. And there was a chance, right? Correct. If he is gonna come back, see how he looks in warm ups, right? Because usually they'll do on court testing, get him to do the stretching and everything like that. And if he's good, good through all that, get some shots up, see how he's moving and all that stuff, and. Usually he comes out at the exact same time as Precious Achua. Sometimes he goes a little bit earlier and goes with the rookie group of like Delano and 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 and, and Bonga and Utah. I guess those guys aren't rookies, but whatever, man. The the, the young guys who the third unit crew. Yeah, the hierarchy. Yeah, the, the, the third unit. Usually he'll come up with those guys or Precious. Um, but kind of realized right away. I was like, okay, he's not coming out. Maybe at best he's working out in the the gym on the third floor, but the practice gym. But nah. He just wasn't coming out. And then afterwards, I was like, all right, then what are we, what are we waiting around for, man? Am I going to watch Tyrese Maxey, like, hit running three-point shots? By the way, he was really hitting them, too. And I was like, damn. <laughs> no, I don't want to hear who was hitting shots in warm-ups. This guy was uh, practicing attacking closeouts. Uh, the drill was the ball would pitch out to him. A trainer would jump out to him. He would uh, immediately attack the closeout and then hit a running three, fading to one or, uh, left or right, and he was hitting all of those. It's, it's nasty. Yeah, so we went to Jurassic Park. Nasty. Ran into our former co-worker, Sarah Jenkins. That's right. Faisal Kamisa of Sportsnet. And, um, yeah, a couple will lose stands. You know, I might have asked for a t-shirt at, at some point out, out at there. At all points. You should have seen <laughs> Alex Wong, the focus before the game. You know, because they had, like, a hype crew going around of, like, you know, just people who are just generally there to hype it up and in team uniforms or whatever. And then they had people in, like, the... I don't, what do you call those? Like costumes? Yeah, so they're in full like costumes as like uh like you know JYD and Drake, like a full like costume though, mm. right? Okay. Yeah, and they were tossing off shirts, and I just put my hand up. I put my hand up like Nick Nurse trying to call a timeout. Nah, I was just like, shut up! You should have put your hands up like Doctor Nurse or Doctor Rivers calling a timeout, man. Yeah, and then I damn this, uh, this series really showed us who's a doctor and who's a nurse. Mm. Damn. No, nah, these bars don't hit today, man. No, they're, they're horrible. No, nothing is hitting <laughs> they're today. Horrendous. Just stop talking. Oh, we're getting a thumbs down from the booth. Oh, no. <laughs> Just stop. To- oh, my God. Oh, Show us to our producer. We have an hour or two coming Show us to our producer, guests. Lance Kennedy, filling in today. Oh, he's, he's for, head palming, man. For our 24-year-old intern, Derek Brandeo, who yeah. has to. He's I don't know if you know. He's a teacher's assistant at university, so he has to do some office hours this morning. So right, he couldn't right, join right, us. Right. Um, but shout to Lance for filling in. Uh Lance also wants to get out of here too, man. Let's just replay, you know, second hour, let's just replay the first hour. See if the bosses notice. <laughs> You'll notice, man. What's wrong with you? Do Coming your, up do your job. in the second hour, Vivek Jacob of Raptors.com, followed by Oren Weisfeld of Raptors Republic. Although I might have to give him a call. He says he usually doesn't wake up this early. Basically, nobody wakes up this early in this profession, okay. except for the professionals. The real reason is the game happens. Um, the so okay so for people watching at home right you're like okay eight o'clock at the game you know ends around ten thirty um, there's overtime so let's add another fifteen twenty minutes so like let's say roughly you, 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 the game's over at eleven you turn off your TV at eleven right um then you go to sleep and you have your regular day for the reporter at the arena the game ends at eleven. Then you're waiting for the press game conference. If you notice the one that closer tweeted out yesterday, guys like Joel and B were going to the press conference at like one o'clock in the yeah. morning. Yeah. So they gotta get the quotes then at that time, file their stories, and imagine mm-hmm. writing a thousand plus words coherently mm-hmm. for publication to thousands of people at 
midnight or 1 a.m. after being traumatically, <laughs> just be traumatized by that game. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then you have to go home, mm-hmm. right? A lot of people don't live downtown. Let's be real. You know, like we're, we're not, we don't all come from generational wealth <laughs> again. <laughs> he only helped a little with the mortgage. Oh. <laughs> and then you, and then you come back on to the work cover of the, Toronto the Life. No, so, like, you know, it, yeah, you can understand. It's like, you know, asking someone in the, the, in the, who works like a, a, a night shift to come in and, uh, yeah. That's right. To come in and this what, work this at what people want to hear, you know, the day after the Raptors. Yeah, these are the excuses you want to hear. The Raptors season damn. effectively over. Just sympathy for the media schedule. No Appreciate one cares. That uh, damn. We finally found something <laughs> that people care about less than the warm-up report is the media habit report. Damn. Yeah, speaking of caring less, another Alouette report ran into mm. front of the program, Shankar. Damn. The only doctor I acknowledge. Facts. Um, and Shanda, to a longtime listener. That's the other only doctor you from, Yes, from, uh, from Newfoundland, ran into Shanda and her husband as well. Um, hope the two of you had, you know, enjoyed the game. You know, I don't mean that facetiously. Like, it was an exciting game. It was, it was genuinely it was a, a really, was, really good game. It was game. a terrible ending for, for any Raptors fans. It precious just hit those free throws, and we went, all, we went home. Oh, Can energy, you imagine energy, oh, energy today? Been incredible goodness. today. Like, oh. Would have been like James Harden a fraud. Like, that's why nurses matter. That's what Will would have said. And, uh, uh, nurses matter regardless. Lance man. Kennedy would have just hold up the entire up healthcare system. Yeah. <laughs> Our chemistry is not good at, 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 nah, at chem- 1046. Chemistry's fine. AM. It's uh, two things, you know. Yeah. Actually, it's three things. Number one, no hot water today when I showered. <laughs> number two, it's early. And number three, the Raptors are down 3 0. Okay. That's uh, not a good combination. Shout-outs, by the way, to, to Maria here at Sports Night. It's her yeah, final day today. Yep. Maria, I've already said all the nice things to you via text message, but we do really do appreciate you for all the help. And um, I think Dan- Danielle Furtado, too, is uh, moving on to a new opportunity. I know Danielle helped you a lot with the Raptors React Pods, and she filled in a few times, too, here on the Raptor Show. So mm-hmm. shouts to them. Absolutely. But, you yeah. know, there's... Always opportunities to chase in life, and we wish them the best of luck yeah. with those next chances. And now on to Drake. All right, it's the Drake report. Drake report. So photo of Drake. So Joel Embiid as he walked off the court. You know, Drake obviously sitting courtside. A little banter. I believe Embiid said, "I'm coming for the sweep on Saturday." Mm-hmm. And then there's a photo captured of Joel Embiid walking towards the tunnel with Drake behind him with a smile, and uh, that's really it. <laughs> There's your global ambassador. Okay, look. Drake is Drake. Uh yeah, of course. But uh, of yes, course, of course, of course. fans, if you want to be upset at this, yes, please go ahead. Okay, look, my only thinking is I, I'm just having a hard time like understanding how a Raptor fan would be giggling with Joel Embiid at, at after that specific appearance. I'd be at least a little like if Drake went up to him and he was like he was mad and he was cheesed, whatever. Like, I get that. Like, I totally get that. I respect that a lot. But I just, like, for me, like, for as how I understand fandom, if that guy hits that shot against you to end your series and it's talking trash towards you, I would just go home. I wouldn't even look at him. I would go down the tunnel and be like, no, no, no. Well, boy, you know what? That's it. I'm, I'm Chinese. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't understand English. You, I was wondering what you yeah, said there. You, you, <laughs> no, okay. I thought you said George's knee no, no. I was like, what? No. This is like if Meek Mill walked off with Kawhi after the four-bound shot. That is my comp. Yeah, it's like if, if Kawhi hit that shot and Meek Mill was like, yeah! 
<laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like Meek feels like, yeah. Sports like, gambling. I saw greatness. Sports I was like, gambling is legal now. I bet on oh, this. Oh Lord. <laughs> I, and people are like, wow. You know, by the way, you know, obviously Drake has tons of stands, especially here in Toronto, right? So like, I got lots of Drake stands. People like, y'all are weird. Let this man live his life. I want to say not let this man, let this man live his life. I just don't understand. I just don't understand, but it's not really like my choice to necessarily understand. I'm just trying to like. Do you have an explanation? Uh, my thing is just mingle, mingle in the back, like mingle backstage. Like, don't do it like oh, out in the open where people can capture Mario the Winans, photos. I don't want to know <laughs> if you creep and keep it on the low. Is that what you're telling me? No, but it's just like holy. No, I'm just saying like he was giggling, he was smiling. He, it's like he won the game. It's, it's like if 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 Embiid walked down the tunnel with with James Harden. Do you remember? So when oh when Kevin God. Garnett retired, Drake posted a photo of himself with KG and was like, man, like with the caption of being like, man, all those battles we had throughout the years. Wait, who, what? Yes. What battle? Other than the, the Brooklyn Nets series in 2014, what battle? No, but he was talking like he was Tim Duncan. Oh. <laughs> like, speaking of like Drake thinking no, he's a me the break or something, man. <laughs> And people are like, oh, Drake. Like, I'm seeing people now. People are like, yo, like, not hating on Drake. I'm not hating on Drake. I just don't understand how a Raptor fan got into that situation. Yeah. It's just the last photo people want to see after a game like that. Yeah. Right? Like, but, like I this- mean, listen, obviously, there's a whole different life and everything like that. You know, then that's fine. Yeah. And, and again, I don't think it's that serious. I don't think, like, Drake's, like, ecstatic. Sure, you know, he was just sharing a joke or whatever, having a laugh. Like, again, they're celebrities. You can't even understand. Like, let's be real. We're like micro-internet celebrities, which is not a celebrity when you have to add that many qualifiers. Yeah, yeah. Drake stands versus Will Lou no, stands. Like, no, they, they live a different lifestyle. It's like a new thing. This is a thing for them. I'm sure he's friends with tons of the players. Yeah. And again, like, I think if you were a general NBA fan, you were there, you're like, wow, I saw an incredible game and I saw an incredible player make an incredible play. In a moment where, again, if you think about the redemption arc for Joel Embiid, this is like as scripted as it gets. It's so good. Right? So as a general Army fan, I'm like, wow, that's amazing. But as a, as a Die Raptor fan, I, I just couldn't get there myself. But again, Drake's something different. That's okay. Also, Danny Green has been a part of the last two Raptor Sixers playoff game winners. Mm. And he's been on the right side of both. So... Unsubscribe to Inside the Green Room. <laughs> no, <laughs> just kidding, you know, man. No, the hating on this show is next level. I'm Shows, so, look, listen, I'm, I'm sorry to Drake. Sorry to Danny Green. <laughs> sorry to Doc Rivers. We're sorry we called you Glenn. I mean, I'm it was, sorry, it, it is his first name, but it's Apologies. okay. Dr. Rivers from now on. Mr. Yeah. Dr. Rivers. Yeah, you should you should have ordered a humble pie from McDonald's, man. Should have ordered. Nah, man. Can we go? <laughs> we got two minutes left. <laughs> what was going on with the food report yesterday, bro? What do you mean? So after, the, after we were out in Jurassic Park, Yes, to walk I, back in. Yes, I had a hot dog. Walk past the hot dog cart. Yes, I had a hot dog. And you were like, I got to get this. And I was like, okay. Because we were talking about hot dogs yesterday. And then it sounds like, fine, we got the hot dog. And then we went into the building. Immediately, you're like, all right, what are we getting for food? So I went to Alouette and got my wedge salad. And a meringue pie. And I had like a... <laughs> nah, you were the hungry, hungry caterpillar. Like I said, how were you even awake for the game? <laughs> And then you were getting mad at Pizza Pizza because they, they were flashing the free oh, Pizza Pizza yeah. on screen at the end no, of the listen, game. That was a tough time to do it, man. It was so, it was right after Precious missed both free throws at the end of the game, at the end of regulation, right? Yeah. And then they, they then the Sixers grabbed the rebound, they called timeout, they're driving their play. And right after he missed those free throws, the, uh, the, the prompt appeared on the giant <sighs> Jumbotron was like, hey, Raptor fans, because the Sixers missed a free throw in the fourth quarter, you are all going home with a slice of pizza pizza, redeemable at the next day. And I was like, really? 
You about to talk to me about missed free throws after Precious missed two free throws to save the season in regulation. You about to tell me that I got free pizza pizza coming tomorrow? It's all good. And you Damn. know what I was doing in that moment? No, this, this is called a hater segment, actually. This, this, <laughs> this is five minutes of generational hating. We're going to stop hating after this point, but we have, to, we have to just get it all out right now. I was eating, um, I was eating a two-hour-old uh, pizza pizza cheese slice <laughs> as you were complaining. Stress eating. How do people? You, how do people deal with their playoff stress? I would love to hear that. Actually, yeah. Let's let's get. You know what? That's what we're gonna do because we have on the other end, um, Vic Jacob, Warren Weisfeld. We're gonna check to these guys and get their thoughts in the game. And you know what? We're gonna try to have them tell us why we can come back in the series because I, I don't know if I can come here and be with a straight face and say it myself. But in addition to that, we're gonna ask for their self care tips because I think you know honestly we can need it a little bit. Looking outside the window right now, it's April twenty first. It is extreme. I haven't seen the sun all day. I forgot that somehow I I, I I feel like I'm living in Tottenham or something. Like why am I just looking outside and it looks like London? So um, <laughs> you know we need some self care tips after that loss, and uh, hopefully we'll get some. Yeah. By the way, friend of the program Shankar said my wife's not impressed by that nurse comment. Yeah. What was it the but nurse and doctor? Oh, was that, that me? Oh, apologies. You said I just that. say things. No, I said nurses Shows hold up Shankar. the healthcare system, which is totally true. Yeah, shouts to Shankar. Yeah. And, um, yeah. So we'll talk more Raptors on the other side. That's right. Of this break. So I'm excited. your host, Wolu. I know people are, you guys are diehards for listening to this. I'm your host, Wolu. That's Alex Wong. You're listening to The Raptor Show, powered by DoorDash on Sportsnet 590, The Fan. Smart takes on the biggest stories in sports. The Fan Drive Time with Ben Ennis and Stephen Brunt. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Back to the Raptor Show, powered by DoorDash on Sportsnet. I'm 90 The Fan. I'm your host, Will Lou. A reminder, we are streaming live on Sportsnet's YouTube channel and airing live on Sportsnet's 360. I continue to be joined by producer and co-host, Alex Wong. And we are joined in this segment by a fellow uh, booth attendee. What do we call that thing? Things we've seen in the booth. <laughs> it's called a radio booth. Okay. That's, 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 sorry. Sorry. sorry I'm, getting, I'm getting real moody at 11. And on, <laughs> I'm like yelling at Will on air. <laughs> Don't right, you bro. know how to speak English, man? Yeah. What's going on, Vivek, Vivek Jacob? Jacob long time. Long time no see. Long time no talk. Big V. Big yeah. V. I mean... A lot of emotions in that booth. Not and only then, one emotion, not lots. Yeah. Hey, listen, bro. Can I can I just say this? We were all the same in that booth yesterday. Okay. Yep. Right. We were. Yeah. We fused, especially at the end. We oh, fused our frustrations together. Yeah. It was that silence. Uh, Vivek, uh, most important thing before I pass the baton to Will to talk about basketball. <laughs> so we were talking. You were featured also in the Toronto Star article about favorite Scotiabank Arena food options. And you tried the poutine last night, recommended by Lee Van Osmond, and um, you didn't give a rave review from uh, our, our combo. Yeah, Lee Van... Um, Doesn't have taste buds? I'm just going to have to say that you got to make better choices. Mm. Uh, that what was... Do, why do we always just attack Lee Van? Uh, I mean, you know, it's fine. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I was not impressed. That would, I would definitely not be trying that again. Yeah, um, that's, that's a damning review. But hey, there's... Uh, Possibly only one more game's worth of prime oh, food. So. Nah, come on, come on Vivek. Yo, you know, you got to take it one game at a time. You know, you can't yeah, you yep. can't look in the past. You know, you can't look in the rearview mirror, you know. No, you got to. You should, though. All right. Yeah. Yeah. No, you got you to. Are you uh, Jimmy Butlering this and cutting the uh, rearview mirror off your car? <laughs> Shout out to Jimmy Butler, man. That's one of the best things he ever did. He did that. <laughs> you know that, right? 
No, but did he actually? Did he just say he did that, or did he actually cut off the rearview mirrors on his car I so mean, that he doesn't look back? They at also life? said they were going to beat up the whole Denver Nuggets team, and nothing happened. So I don't know. They were like, "Man, we're gonna when we see Faku Campazzo." No, we're gonna have to ramp up the Jimmy <laughs> he's on, Butler he's on site for Faku slander in the second round. But yeah. no, we'll see. All Anyways, right. to the Raptors. Bye bye. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about um, last night's game and. Look, I, the main topic is the main topic, so I ask you here, even though it's a little redundant, because we talked about it in the first half as well, but your assessment on Pascal and Fred and their inability to create general, like decent offense for the Raptors to close that game, which, by the way, as you can agree, that game was right there for the Raptors. If you were going to win a game in the series, that was the game, and they missed their shot, and a lot of it was because their two main guys were missing their shots. So your thoughts on Fred and Pascal? Yeah, I mean, I just uh, finished my rewatch. Uh, oh, and, oh, Lord. <laughs> and, yeah, it's tough. I think, you know, when you you look at Fred Van Vliet, I think even more frustrating than the lack of offense was the number of times he got blown by, whether it was Maxi, whether it was Harden. Um, yeah. He's obviously not the same defender that we we saw in the first half of the season. Um and offensively, I thought there were just several bad decisions. Sometimes, you know, there was good penetration, whether it be by OG, by Pascal, um, even Trent a couple of times, and then kicking it out to Fred. Mm-hmm. And those are, uh, you know, catch and shoots that you expect him to knock down that he's missing. But I think the ones where when you know you're struggling and you're taking off balance pull up jumpers, I think those are the ones that you look at and say, hey, you, you can get a better look than that. Uh, someone else can at least get a better look than that. Um, with Pascal, you know, I think what frustrates me is all season long, um, beyond talking about his playmaking, w- one of the things that really emerged was the fact that when opponents were backing off him, he was very ready to take that mid-range jumper. And yeah. say, hey, if this is what you're giving me, I will take it and I will make it. Yeah. And he did a, a solid job of that in the regular season. And that's what felt different going into the postseason where it's like, hey, it seems like he had reached a point where no matter what you give him, he's willing to take it and manipulate it. And I thought there were several times where he was looking to only get solely into the paint. And when they're giving him that jumper, he's got to have the confidence to keep taking it. Now, I know he's not shooting it well uh, in this postseason. Between that 15 and 19-foot range, he's at 5 for 15 for the series. Um, and even from 10 to 14 feet, he's 2 for 6. So that's you know 7 for 21. Mm-hmm. Uh, Philly will live with that all day. But I think <clears throat> it's the intent as well, right? And yeah. when you've... When you know that that's their game plan, I think during the regular season, we saw a player saying, hey, okay, I know this is what they're going to do, and I'm going to be ready. And I think this time he was so hell-bent on, like, I've got to try and make something happen in the paint, and then whatever comes from that, which usually was being completely crowded out and Mm -hmm. uh, Embiid being there as a post-presence where you've got no choice now but to kick it out and see what else happens. And so I, I think he... We'll probably look back on that and say, hey, there's one thing to have the confidence to take and make it in the regular season. And now you've got to find a way to 
build that confidence to take and make it in the in the playoffs. Yeah, and that's I I think and this really gets into that danger zone in terms of like, well, you know, you can't really get into a player's head. No one really knows, right? But I, I think that that mentality has to be there at all times. Like, you know, I, one, if there's anything I respect about the way Fred played, and again, like it just wasn't good, right? As you mentioned, there was he was porous on defense in addition to the fact that he was three of thirteen. Like Harden drew two fouls on him, I think. Towards the end of the mm-hmm. game, right? Blue pie him a couple times. Yeah, so, like, it, it's not good, right? Um, but to me, as the number one guy, you just have to take that shot. Like, I'll live with the misses. But you have to yep. make the right basketball play. Like, at the end of the day, like, I know the pressure's there, all the expectation, everything like that. Like, I'm sure it's difficult, but that is the job. And that's partially why you're the, that's what number, being the number one guy means. Like, owning the situation. And taking the right shots in the, in the moment is owning the situation. And you know what? I look back on the film. Also notice, well, look, there's not a lot of movement off the ball. People aren't getting open. You know, Pascal wants to drive and kick, and he's does a good job of that. But, like, look, man, at the end of these tight playoff games, right, you just played 40 intense minutes. Just think of how hard the Raptors battled against Embiid last night. Guys diving on the floor. Gary diving on the floor to save a loose rebound. Pascal diving on the floor and saving a, a, a loose ball after stealing off of Danny Green. Like, guys are working so hard all game. At the end of the game, you know what's really nice? You, have a, you give the ball to Kawhi, you back off, you let him do his thing, and he takes a shot for you. It's like the one of the ultimate luxuries in the whole entire sport. You give him the ball and go. Right, everyone else can worry about the defense. Everyone else can do all the hustle plays. Get the guy in the ball and go. Maybe set a screen for him, but we're just gonna go, and he's gonna do it. He's gonna take the pressure off of everybody. And quite frankly, like having seen both guys very up close, I don't ever get that feeling from Pascal in these kind of games. And that's where if he's going to take that next step, this absolutely has to. Like, nothing else even matters to me. It's just this step. Yeah, I think what's disappointing is the fact that for the last month and a half, it seemed like he was very much taking that step. Yes, exactly. Like, you look at that 37-point triple-double game that he had against Philly and the way he closed out that game, he, he... he didn't care that it was Joel Embiid guarding him down the stretch. He was going right at him. He was taking the mid-range jumper when it was there. And that's kind of what you were hoping to see again, but it didn't happen. The other thing, too, you know, I thought there were a little attention to detail mistakes uh, that he made as well when he was attacking Tobias. Um, for example, there were a couple of times where Pascal was backing him down and then Embiid was lurking, but then Embiid also realized like he's he, he's playing the two point nine. He, he's trying to get out of the paint, and that's usually when Pascal will time backing down and then spinning away, where it's like okay, now Embiid is stepping out and you're spinning away at the right time, and that sort of creates that s- space mm-hmm. to get yeah. the shot off at the rim. And for whatever reason, like we didn't see that spin. Yeah. Um, and. You know, whether that's fatigue, just, you know, playing on the mind and not being as sharp as you should be in, in those situations. Uh, I don't know. But, yeah, those are a little attention to detailed things that I thought he missed out on as well. Yeah, look, listen, I think there's you could we could break it down ultimately. But, like, I think it was very clear. Um, people kind of saw what happened yesterday. And and that's the that's the ceiling of the team. Like when you see in these moments, like that's that's part of the things that the playoffs is really good at is like it reveals truths about your team. Sometimes mm-hmm. in the over the course of regular season, you can see it to an extent, but you never fully know. There's all these circumstances. Like you know exactly what the ceiling of the team is right now, and until that, so until they improve or until they tangibly change the roster, like 
that is going to be the ceiling of the team. Like we will probably end up in a scenario back, like similar to this. Um, now, I think on the positive end, we saw a lot of good play creation from OG. And I know part of that is obviously the defense is basically saying anybody other than Pascal, right? We're going to load mm-hmm. up on Pascal, whatever. But, you know, when OG attacked, when he got into the paint, when he scored the catch and shoot threes, when he, um, you know, he found precious quite a few times off of the drives. This is now three straight times we've seen OG in the playoffs where he's really done a good job, right? 2018, when he was a rookie, did a really good job in that series. Remember, he had 20 points, I think, in the game three. Obviously, LeBron yeah. happened, whatever, but OG was really good for a rookie, right? Then 2019, mm-hmm. he's unfortunately out because of the appendectomy. Doesn't play in that series. 2020, in the bubble, I don't shoot trying to miss. Enough said. And then this past series, he's leading the Raptors in scoring. He's doing so efficiently. And Vivek, is it tangibly changing in your eyes what OG is to this team? Um, I think it's very encouraging, uh, you know, in terms of seeing it over the over a long stretch. I, I think that's important in terms of the sustainability. Uh, I Obviously, we all just want to see him healthy, right? Like coming into this season, uh, we pinned high hopes on him with Siakam injured and him getting more reps. Um, the first couple of games were rough, but then he really seemed to be coming into his own in that role. Um, and then, and then the injuries happened. So, uh, yeah, I'm a full out believer in OG in the postseason. Uh, it's great to see that he can take advantage of, you know, those one-on-one opportunities that he has. Um, and that's really what you need. Um, and so, uh, those catch and shoot opportunities will always present themselves. So yeah, I, I think he's, you know, a firm, firm part of the core. Um, and when you look to build, from this, like those possessions where OG and Precious are defending screen and roll action, like you can't ask for anything more. Like whether it's Maxi and Embiid in it, whether it's Harden and Embiid in it, I mean, those two were great. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think to have that and then have Siakam in the back line uh, as, as the roamer, as the helper, you know, I think that's really great. And you don't have Scotty right now. But you can see how that can play out uh, and be really, really effective. So, yeah, OG, um, kudos to him. He's he's really taken on this opportunity um, and made the most of it. Which, you know, you look at how much time he's missed. He, he played only six games after the All Star break. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he squeezed in that one game against the Knicks just to get some time in. Um, that was literally a practice. Yeah. <laughs> And then, then he comes on and puts on a show the way he has in these three games. Yeah. You have to be really, really impressed. Yeah, definitely. And I, I think, look, um, the one thing, and I think we should probably learn this lesson just generally, um, is that there's a huge difference between being the number two, number three guy to then being the number mm-hmm. one guy. Because you see a result like that, and naturally you're like, well, if he's giving me 26 points on like 70% shooting and someone else is giving me 12 points on like 30% shooting we can just shift the short points around and we just, you know, we can probably find more efficiencies. Like basketball is mm-hmm. not played on a spreadsheet like that. Right. Um, so I think there is always a temptation to be like, well, we should just make OG the number one guy or like we should make Scotty Barnes the number one guy and all that stuff. I mean, realistically, even having seen all this stuff, do you see that? Do you see any sort of in- inclination where not forget number two, uh, one guy, can he be a number two guy? I mean, I think he doesn't have to be. Uh, I think, 
Pascal is great in his role. Um, and then I think it just comes down to who you go to in late game scenarios uh, in, in terms of operating the offense as a whole. Uh, I think Siakam is probably uh, the better option, like, mm-hmm. like with the strides that he's made in his playmaking. Yep. Uh, I think that's something that's really significant. And, you know, generally, We've seen him over the course of this season get stronger as the game goes on and close out these games. It it didn't happen here, but I I wouldn't go away from all of that. So uh, I think, you know, is it a fair question to say that, you know, the Raptors might need someone who has that conviction late game? Uh, You know, we've seen it uh, from Gary Trent Jr. We've seen it from OG Ananobi, Scotty Barnes, I mean, for a rookie, you know, whether it's going to the free throw line, whether it's times where he's made big shots down the stretch, uh, I, I think he's pretty comfortable. Uh, so uh, I think there's options on this team. Um, and so maybe what the hierarchy is in the first 40 minutes is a bit different than what it is in the final eight. Um, and you can play it out that way. Mm. Uh, but yeah, I, I think, you know, again, you just learn these truths and, uh, for Siakam, again, I, th- I think the main thing he has to learn here is that confidence in taking a mid-range jumper uh, and that intent that, yeah, this is a shot that I can go to. Being able to say that in the regular season is one thing and being able to say that in the playoffs is another. Yeah, I think I wanted to ask you guys too then on that topic of basically like, you know, where the Raptors are going to find this number one option or the star player lead the way. Isn't I guess the quickest way there or the easiest path right now is if it's Scotty Barnes, right? Like, unless you're going to make a trade or, like, make a move in free agency. I know that's a lot to ask for Scotty even in his second year. So, you know, it's I don't know if that's something that's going to happen right away. But, like, if you're looking at a number one option on this roster, for me, it's Scotty. Okay, but I would I would challenge this as this, like, why? Like, I, what what is he shown? Like, at a, yeah, I mean, just why? Well, I think because when you're looking at these players, you're looking at them from like a development standpoint, right? Like you look at the way that Pascal has developed or you look at the way that OG has developed, right? Okay. Like at some point, if you guys are talking about this after a playoff game or after a playoff series about a Pascal in terms of, oh, like what's the what's the hierarchy going to be like in the first 40 minutes versus the final eight minutes? Like there's still, if you're looking at the untapped potential and where it can go, Right now, the highest ceiling has to be Scotty, right? Like, that's the way I'm looking at it. Yeah. Vivek, what do you think about that? I agree with that. I, I think this is uh, going to be Scotty's team for uh, years to come. And the sooner he can be the best player on the team, I think that's going to be the case. It's just a matter of when, not if. Um He's a generational talent. I think he's going to be a superstar. Um, and, you know, the sooner he gets there, uh, the better. And, you know, the way to get there sooner is to give him those reps, to give him those opportunities. Nick Nurse has talked about uh, all season, you know, ha- having him show that aggression and asking him to do more of everything, mm-hmm. literally everything, right? Play make more, offensive rebound more, Um score in the post more, uh, you know, defend one uh, through five. Uh, and I think he's that special. And 
I think he's shown a penchant for the big moment. Um, you know, there was that game in Brooklyn where, you know, even when they're giving him, uh, they're taking him out of the paint and it's like, oh, okay, I've got this three. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'll take it. No problem. Um, you know, free throws, maybe, you know, it, it's hard to judge, but he seems to enjoy those moments and thrive in them. And so mm. uh, I'd, I'd be pretty happy to see him uh, get more opportunities there. Yeah, no, listen, I, I, I agree with all this. I really do. Um, I agree, agree with the potential and all that stuff, but I don't know. I guess, again, maybe this is just like the morning after, clearly we're in a dour mood, whatever, right? But to me, I'm like, could you not see in a situation where years down the line, you have, instead of it being Pascal in that moment, it's it's Scotty in that moment. They're taking away the paint. And as, as physical and as strong as he is, you just can't literally bully your way. To, even Embiid couldn't bully his way to the paint at the end there. His end of the game offense was all jumpers. And they force you into taking all those jumpers. And I'm thinking, well, like, well he's probably got to improve the jumper quite a bit. Because right now, if you told me that, like, end of this game, you want, you want Scotty Barnes taking all these jumpers, I'm like, mm, I don't know. Of course, this is year one. There's a lot of development runway. I totally agree. But... You would need some pretty big breaks. And I think my fear is that, like, you put this much expectation on a guy, right? Like, you saw Kawhi was here, and then he left. Then it was like, okay, we're going to put that expectation on Pascal. Every rational person I told you, Kawhi is way better than Pascal. But we, we put that expectation on him. And then we see how that crushes him because he can't live up to that expectation. Now you're hurt. Now you hurt Pascal. Now Pascal hurts himself with, with the fact that these moments don't happen. Then you look down the line, you're like, oh, Pascal's not it. We'll give it to Scotty. And then you probably put this expectation on Scotty. Unless he gets there, it's going to be the same cycle. Is that just me being pessimistic? No, I think that's a good point. Because, listen, I think we all agree that finding this number one option, finding who that star player is going to be, is, is really important to playoff success. Like, it just is what it is, especially in the NBA. But it doesn't mean it has to be one or the other, right? It doesn't mean that if we're saying Scotty's the number one option, then, you know, oh, you know, then Pascal shouldn't be on this team. Because I already see this, like, in the YouTube chat, you know, Scotty or Pascal. But it's like, if you're not going to have that, then you need to build a better team then. Then you need to have a better team around these guys. Because I, I think that is also part of team building too. And that's another issue with this team is there's a lack of depth. And, you know, we could argue if certain players are, are being miscast or being asked to do too much. But if they're being asked to do too much, then you need to have a better team. Like if, you know, you look at teams that never had that like one superstar player who won, like how many of those can you name? Like what, the 04 Pistons is always the example? Yep. Right? Of like a really strong starting five. Uh, then you need to build that way then. Because they don't have that right now. Yeah, that's probably the closest Raptors they're going to get to mm-hmm. without it, but... I mean, that's also the, every team tells themselves that they're the 04 Pistons. <laughs> yeah, every team without that's a star. They, that's why they're the Every team Pistons, without man. a star tries to cast their players also, as like, Brad is Chauncey Billups, all this. You yeah. can't win a game these days. Like, how, how many games are those in those in those times that they ended in the 60s? Yeah. You know no, what I'm saying? Like, trust yeah. me, that was when I first started watching basketball. I was in a motel. We're, me and my family, we were driving to Chicago. We were, living, we were staying in a motel in Lansing or something. And I remember turning on the TV. It was Rob Thomas saying, uh, singing, this is how a heart breaks. It was the Lakers. It was versus the Pistons. And the games were in the 60s. And I was like, oh, this is it. <laughs> this is it for me, man. And then, you know, uh, you know, basketball became a career and everything like that. No, but um, yeah, this is What tough, you're man. saying is you want to see Kevin O'Neill come back. No. No. <laughs> Please, I take back all the Nick Nurse slander. Um, imagine a KO hat. Um, actually, 
But back, one, one more question I wanted to ask you is, is when you look at the overall strategy of the 6-9 thing and the Raptors building towards this direction, like having run into Embiid in this way, does it make you feel any sort of second thoughts about it? I, I think I've said this before. Like I will always be of the opinion that championship teams are effectively Swiss Army knives where you can win in different ways and you can play different styles. Okay. Um, I know the Raptors are trying to have every individual player be a Swiss Army knife and play different positions. But uh, I think for me, even when you look at that 2019 championship team, they could play different ways, right? You look at the the challenges that the Golden State Warriors present versus what the Philadelphia 76ers presented versus what the Milwaukee Bucks presented. They were all different, and the Raptors were able to play in different ways to address each of those matchups. And I think the Raptors kind of have something where right now it's like there isn't enough margin for error where hey, you just have to force a ton of turnovers. You have to offensive rebound. You have to take more shots than your opponent. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you can still get out-talented. So I think, you know, if you can just uh, give the team more margin for error by giving yourself more options. And that's the other thing, too, that, you know, I've come to learn in watching the playoffs is like people will say, Oh, depth doesn't matter. Um, I believe it does because again, when it comes to being able to play different ways, yeah. Okay. In every series, you might only play seven or eight guys, but who you play can change. And so, you know, the way Fred Van Vliet wasn't effective against Philadelphia in the 2019 championship run changes, uh, you know, you don't play him as much and you go to someone else and then you have him be effective against the Milwaukee Bucks uh, and the Warriors and then that changes. And so um, I think having different options uh, that you can turn to off the bench at the very least, uh, having a seven-footer, having someone who can be imposing um, matters. And so... Yeah, I would like to see just a bit more uh, diversity in size, diversity in skill across this roster. Yeah. No, fair enough. Vivek, apologize. You had to watch that performance yesterday after just watching uh, United. Ah, come on. <laughs> come I on. mean, what's going against on? Against Liverpool, 4-0, 9-0 on aggregate this season. It's a little tough, man. Hey, who, who yeah, played better we'll be... defense out there, uh, Phil Jones or Fred VanVleet? <laughs> I can't believe we're here. Oh man, I know that 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 is a tough one. But yeah, like you think about this week, uh, watching the Raptors lose the three games, watching United lose, um, not not a great one, not a great one at all. It's tough. You got you got to hey. change to a different color. No more red for you, man. <laughs> you got to try blue or green or something, yellow. <laughs> Oh man, who's who's your pick to win it? Win it all uh, this season? I I think you know you, you look at Milwaukee losing Middleton last night. I mean, we'll see how long the MCL sprain uh, diagnosis is. And, yeah, yeah. Uh, Chicago showed a lot Booker's of heart, man. Dealing. Hey man, shout out to Rosen. Shout out to Demar Rosen. No more. Can we? Can we? Like, listen. I understand the Demar thing, and he didn't perform in Toronto. Things. Guess what? If you want to feel optimistic about Pascal, you look at a guy like Demar. And mm-hmm. the way he was able to overcome and get better and better and better, 
He might still not ultimately be a guy to win you a championship. But would I have taken DeMar DeRozan on the team last night? 41 points? Clinching the game like that? And and think about the conversations we had about DeMar in 2014 and 2015 and 2016 and 2017 and 2018. So, you know, things do come around, especially if guys work hard. That's 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 my that's my a bit of silver lining here. But Rebecca, thank you for joining us. And that's what us. we know about Pascal, right? He yeah, exactly. works. He works his butt off and frankly, the last two off seasons he hasn't really had an off season. So, he is going to have uh, you know, a time where he can really put in the work, uh, not have to, you know, worry about his shoulder surgery or where whatever it might be. Um, we'll have to see what the case is with Fred and that knee. Um, but I have no doubt that those two will come back better players for next season. Vivek was trying to ask you who you think is going to win it all. Uh, honestly, I don't, I, <laughs> and he's like, oh, thank you, Vivek Jacob from yeah. Raptors.com. It's hard to say after two games, but uh, it's definitely not going to be the Raptors. All right, Vivek. <laughs> oh, God. Appreciate you, bro. We'll call you next week. Yeah. All right. Take care, guys. That's another spot for a break. Alex. <laughs> I'm going to try to feel better for segment four. We're going to go positivity for segment four. In segment four, we're going to tell you why the Raptors are going to come back in the series and win four. Oh, straight. really? I'm not going to be realistic. I'm, going to, I'm your host, Will Lou. That's Alex Wong. You're listening to The Raptors Show, powered by DoorDash on Sportsnet 590 The Fan. Will, I can't believe the Raptors are still going to win this first round series in seven games. Alex, I love your optimism because some days I wonder if caring about the Raptors so much is even worth it. What? What happened to your holistic approach? Yeah, honestly, I forgot how miserable the playoffs are. Well, listen, the key to keeping your weekly routine the exact same in the playoffs is with our friends at DoorDash, who provide easy access to the best restaurants and help us get the perfect spread of delicious food delivered straight to your door on any Raptors game night. Will, what are you ordering this week to cheer yourself up? Yeah, so I'm going to get some tacos from Atomic 10. That's what I did after game one, and it made me feel a lot better. That is awesome. And ordering is so easy. Open the DoorDash app, choose what you want from where you want, and your items will be left safely outside your door with the contactless delivery drop-off setting. Plus, for a limited time, our listeners can get 25% off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter the code THEFAN25. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. The show powered by DoorDash on Sportsnet. I'm not even a fan. I'm your host, Walu. I continue to join by producer and co-host Alex Wong, who has promised me during the break that he will ask at least one question to our following guests, uh, Orrin Weisfeld of Raptors Republic. Orrin, good morning. How are you? <laughs> Yo, listen, for people who are listening to the show for the first time and hearing Orrin for the first time, this is how he sounds normally, okay? But I don't know. So somehow the tone just sounds... It sounds like the Raptors might have had a devastating loss last night, man. Are you all right? It was tough. And to make it tougher, the TTC was closed when I left the stadium. So got home at like 2 a.m. after just a dark shuttle bus ride. It wasn't a pretty night. It wasn't a pretty night for me. But, hey, you know, I I heard you guys talking about the end of the the next session about optimism, why we're going to be the first team to come back from 3-0. So let's do it. (laughs) <laughs> really Wait, hold on, hold on, Orm. Before Please. we before we get into that, give us the two a.m. shuttle bus report because people in people in Toronto know after like one o'clock, right? I think the last train is like one o five or whatever. After that, the the night the blue line starts to run, right? And instead of the subway being open, people just take the buses along the subway routes. <laughs> but 
as I can imagine, that thing is not pleasant because I've ridden it many times. So give us the 2 a.m. Uh, blue line report. No, this is what I was born to do. First of all, this is this is my after rant on the GTC. It wasn't even that I got there past 2 a.m. It was that they had a closure at 11 p.m. the night of the first Raptors home game. There was a closure. Oh, so, great. Yeah, just absolutely phenomenal. Um, you know how they go. You know, you're not seeing any masks in that bus ride. Mm. You're not seeing people who are very happy. Um, lots of tormented souls, I would say. I was, I was among them. And <laughs> I was among them. <laughs> Yo, why is Orr the funniest guest right now? It's just uh, you. You're bringing so much positivity. I'm loving it, man. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I can't bring that much positivity. That was a rough, that was a rough game. But yeah, no, that, you, you know how it is, but. I want to say this. When, when Embiid hit that shot, I've never seen an arena go silent like I saw that one. Like, yeah. all you see is, is the swish and the mesh and 20,000 people just holding their breaths. It was incredible. Yeah. No, I, I honestly thought, first off, like, it was so tense down the stretch, I thought I was going to pass out. I had to actively remind myself to breathe. <laughs> you know, I was like, no, just keep breathing. Okay. I didn't know it was that dire. Yeah. I just thought you were just, like, locked in. No, I was. You I was, were well. I, I, I was deoxygenated. Oh my god. Um, <laughs> okay, but yeah, I mean, you know, when that shot happened, Joel was like yelling and jumping up and down as he would. He like, he realized how awesome of a game it was for him. We were silent too. Well, what's there to say when he hits? No, that genuinely, shot? there was nothing else what's to say. There, you, you know, know? Okay. but Orrin, we have you on here because you're going to tell us what's going to happen for the Raptors to come back and win four straight, take the series. Series not over. Series just started. Series only starts when a team. At home, loses a game. I can't even roll with these today, man. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Loses two games. So it starts when a team at home loses two Series games. doesn't start until a team loses four games. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no. Can we hit reset on the series, man? Uh, or no. Uh, Run it you, back, man. You know, I, I got to ask a question in this segment. Um, so h- how do the Raptors come back from this devastating loss and uh, try to get game four on Saturday? Okay, well, if we're talking about game four and trying to be serious here, all they really need is a game where their stars perform and a couple of their role players perform. Because, like, I heard you guys talking to Vivek, and this was the game where their stars really dropped the ball. Mm-hmm. And games one or two, games one and two were the games where their role players really dropped the ball. And so if you get a, a all-around performance where it's not even like seven guys are playing great, but, you know the three stars are good and then one or two guys off the bench are also good. That's probably a win against this Philadelphia team. But unfortunately we just, we haven't had a single game so far this series where OG Fred Pascal are good. And then also, you know, maybe precious and a Boucher are good or, or Gary and a fat are good. We just haven't had an all around performance yet. Yeah, no, you're right. If all the players play, <laughs> we're we are reaching, man. You know what? This reminds me a oh lot of Lord. Frank Vogel uh, with two weeks left in the Lakers season. He said, if Anthony Davis gets back healthy and if we catch a few teams on a bad night and if we play well, I think we have a chance uh, is, is, is what we're saying right now. There's not. It's hard yeah. to find optimism when it's 3-0. Listen, like, like, do I think the Raptors can beat the Sixers? On Saturday, yes. But, you know, I think it's just so demoralizing to play in front of that home crowd yesterday. And, you know, the, the Sixers never led in regulation. Um, and to go into overtime and obviously have that shot, like, sometimes that's just really hard to recover from. Like, it's just really hard to recover from. Because the Raptors did fight. 
and they played really hard yesterday. And can can they can they do that again down 3-0? We've seen a lot of 3-0 games. Have we not seen a lot of 3-0 games? Will, Orn? Alex, I regret prompting you to ask more questions <laughs> in this segment because it was supposed to be positive. No. no okay, can we, not, can we not say this, okay? So yesterday, they did play really good as a team. Yes. And they had a very good chance to win that game. Yes. Literally at the free throw line with two chances to take the lead. Mm-hmm. At the end of regulation. That's as good as it gets, really, right? Outside of blowing them out, you want that scenario. Mm-hmm. So can the Raptors gather themselves? And let's say the Sixers are celebrating because, you know, obviously, why would you not celebrate? You're chilling. You're 3-0. It's four degrees outside and freezing rain. It seems like the perfect time to go to the bar. Like, um, maybe you, you, you catch them once again. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm not even saying come back on the whole series, but can we, can we not get swept? Yes. That's the, that's the, that's the game plan for, for game four. Just don't get swept. <laughs> Warren, were there things positively that you saw in terms of their defense against James Harden or defense against Embiid? Something, man. Give us something, bro. No, no. I think you guys are right. I think okay, good. they have too much They have too much pride to just go out like this. Like, when you look at how Fred and Pascal, these guys, and Nick, like, they're extremely competitive guys. I think they're going to put up a fight for sure. But, yeah, the reason it's so upsetting that they lost that game was because they did figure a lot of stuff out and, and you could totally see how if they made it 2-1, it could have been a competitive series because it could have there been like so the many series. things. Yeah, I mean, exactly. Like, like they figured out how to double-team Joel with a lot more finesse. They figured out how to make James Harden score inside the paint. You know, Maxi got it going in the second half, but in the first half, they really limited him well. They kept them off the line. They only had six free throw attempts in the in the first half. So mm-hmm. they did a lot of things really well, and that's why it, it's such an upsetting way to go. But I definitely think, you know, the Raptors are going to put up a fight in game four. And in terms of things, I know you guys talked about this already, but in terms of things that we can kind of look for, silver linings, or even things they can go to in game in game four, like it really is OG to me. And, and I, I yeah. get what everyone's saying about, yeah, well, Pascal and Fred are getting all the defensive attention. OG's playing a lot of one-on-one, and so, of course, he's going to perform. It's like, I watched that game from start to finish and thought from the tip-off to the buzzer, OG was the best Raptor on the floor. And it wasn't just offensively as a scorer. It was defensively. It was as a facilitator. It was everything. He was incredible. And one of the maybe, like, downsides to the way the Raptors play where they really spread the wealth and everyone gets their opportunity. Like in overtime, every or OG, Gary, Fred, and Pascal all had one field goal opportunity. And and going into overtime, OG scored eight points in the fourth quarter. I really mm-hmm. thought that he should be your guy who you kind of force feed the ball to. And, you know, you can say that he was tired and so he couldn't really handle that much. And, and you could say that while well, they played this way all, all year where they spread the well, well, I think I think maybe in his best performance of his career, all things considered, there was an opportunity to go to him more, mm-hmm. and I'd like to see them go to him more going, you know, in games four, five, six, and seven of this series. <laughs> I love that for more, man. Um, the other optimism is, you know, Nick basically confirmed, like I mentioned, Scotty's going to play mm. in game four. Well, hey, should Scotty play in game four? Me we'll, say per- we'll, say, we'll say that. We'll say that. You know what? Yeah. If they'd won last night, yes. and we're here this morning, we're like, all right, so we, we got the game on them. We got the game plan down. Yep. Now we can bring Scotty back, and it's going to be great. But when you're down 3 nothing, and you know he's, his ankle is not 100%, mm-hmm. we didn't see him warm up yesterday. 
um, despite the reports of him walking normally. That mm-hmm. was the report, walking normally at shoot around. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and Nick saying, maybe he'll play. Another classic Nick Nurse <laughs> move, by the way. Uh, should you play Scotty in game four? Well, I think that's a tricky balance. You know, num- you know, on the, on the one side, you can say, like, you want to give him some more experience if he's ready to go, right? Which is like, not insignificant, by the no. way. These, this, is, this is super no. important experience. No, yeah. and, It's and not it, just like a regular game on a yeah. Saturday. And, you know, if, if you win Saturday, then, you know, you, you get to play another one, you know, in, in, in Philadelphia and on and on. But I guess, yes, on the other side, you know, if you're being cautious, you would say that it's a 3-0 series. You know, do you, don't, do you want to risk him maybe, you know, re-injuring himself or having another injury and then now this messes up his off season. So it's actually really tricky. Like, I don't know where I land on that, actually. Where, where do you land on that, Orn? No, it's tough. I mean, I'm not going to pretend to know more than, like, the medical staff does, but I am. I always err on the side of caution when it comes to these playoff games. I remember 2019 and, and um, the idea that Kevin Durant was going to return for game, what was it, five of the NBA Finals. I thought that was ludicrous. Like, a guy you're going to sit out for a month or two and then all of a sudden jump in where it's the most physical, it's the most fast basketball that you play all year. Um, Scotty hasn't been out that long, but at the same time, you know that if he comes back in the series, A, they're going to target him on defense, and B, Joel is going to continue to play this way he's been playing, which is just like ultra-aggressive man going at every single person. So it, it's definitely tough. I think I would probably err on the side of let's try to get one without him and then bring him back for game five where it could actually be a meaningful game. Um, because I think they can beat Philadelphia without him. And, and, and also, like, letting him sit one more game is another opportunity for Fred and Pascal and, to a lesser extent, OG, who's kind of proven himself, to really step up to the challenge because they haven't so far. Yeah, um, I, I, th- I agree with that. I mean, look, listen, if the medical staff deems that he's fully capable of playing and there's no risk of re-injury, uh, of course, play him. This is a huge experience. Like when we're talking about like this season is about development. You want to get these guys playoff experience. Nick Nurse said that so many times. Like that's the guy you want playoff experience for for the most, right? Um, but in this case, like you obviously have to be absolutely sure, absolutely safe. Not expecting him to come back and put up a triple-double, kind of similar to what he did in game one. Quite frankly, even when he did that, the Raptors were still down. It wasn't his fault whatsoever, but, you know, that was also the circumstance. So I don't think we should put too much expectation on a guy. In fact, this is my lesson on the whole season. Just don't put all your expectations on a team. Ultimately, they're just putting a ball through a hoop. Like, come on, can we just, like, enjoy, it, enjoy the ride? <laughs> I love perspective, Lou. Yeah, it's yeah. tough, man. The holistic approach this season is not great. But like, if you look in the bigger picture, Orrin, I think, does this change the positivity of the outlook of this entire season? Because I think even a week ago, we were all extremely happy. And now I'm in a hood on television <laughs> looking dour. Yeah, no, I don't think it really should. But I think the nature of NBA fandom or sports fandom is to be reactionary. So I, I see all the takes and some of them are, are ridiculous. But I also understand where these fans are coming from. Um, but But no, like even the conversation you guys were just having about Pascal, it's like, it's one game and he didn't show on the biggest of stages. And I wrote about how it was basically his and Fred's fault that they didn't win that game. But ultimately it's one game where he, where he really didn't show up. Does that mean he's not a guy who can carry a team? You know, I I don't, I don't necessarily think so. I think 
he had a dud of a game, but he's really proven this season that he can be a number one option against all types of defenses. So I don't think it's ready to just write him off yet. And the same thing goes for Fred and, and the rest of the roster and the style they play. You know, we we tend to look at these things as, oh, they're in a 3-0 hole. Philadelphia must be a way better team than them. The Raptors stink, on and on and on. But as you guys know watching that game, these margins are so, so, so small. And there's a number of things that could have flipped and the Raptors could be, you know, even up 2-1 here or, or down 1-2. It's not like this series has been like complete, like there really are just a couple of things that could have flipped here. So yes, the result is, is really bad and they're down Oh three, but this season has been, you know, phenomenal from a lot of perspectives, including Fred and OG. And I don't think that one game is enough of enough of an indictment on them to just write them off and say like, all right, we got to trade Siakam for gold there. Like that's what people like to do, but it's like the grass is not always greener on the other side. Yeah. I think that's a really good point because different ways to look at this series too. Like you don't have to look at it just through like a very like tunnel vision. You know, for me, if I zoom out and look at why the Raptors are down three Oh, you know, Philly's been the better team, but the Raptors, haven't had their full starting lineup. You know, Gary was not right until game three. Scotty has been out since game one. And there's very easy explanations as to why, you know, the Raptors have fallen behind. And, you know, Tyrese Maxey and Tobias Harris have been the best, like, quote-unquote, secondary players in this series, at least the first two games. And all of that. And Joel Embiid um, stepping up, you know, because I think so much of the conversation about Embiid has been around how he's been officiated. But... If you're able to separate the officiating conversation and just look at what Joel Embiid has done in this series, like last night was an MVP performance. And it's hard to see that because it was against the team that we talk about and that we root for. And, you know, that was an incredible game from him. And, but at the same time, I think you can also say all of that and point to the obvious reasons why they're down 3-0 and also have the critiques of Fred and Pascal. So I, I just yeah. think like you can have all those conversations at once. Like it doesn't need to be just one conversation. No, I'm glad you brought up Joel because he, we haven't talked about him enough. Like the Raptors did some problematic things. They should have won that game before overtime. They should have defended the inbound better on, on the final timeout from talk. But ultimately, like, I don't think it's really an argument that Joel has been the best player of the playoffs so far. He's, he's been unbelievable. Yeah. And, like, that's ultimately why we're in this hole. We're playing a guy who is at the very top of his game. And, you know, yes, we did want this matchup, so that's kind of on us. But at the same time, Joel has answered every single question. I, I just want to put that on record. I know everyone was like, ah, oh, the Bucks going to turn it on. And I was like, mm, I've seen the Bucks in the playoffs. I've seen the Raptors play the Bucks. I wouldn't mind playing the Bucks, But... When it came clear that that wasn't an option and the Sixers were on the table, we were like, okay, let's put the Sixers. And uh... anyway, sorry, Ryan. I don't know why I had to intercept to say that. Go ahead. You're, making a, you're making a great point. I'm being a bad host. Go ahead. Don't man. worry. Six minutes left. Hang in there, Lance Kennedy. No, it's nah, okay. Nah, nah, he's face palming again, man. This guy got an imprint on the show. Show's our producer. Uh, yeah, Orrin, what were you going to say? I mean, I'm just, I guess, speaking for myself, I wanted the Sixers and I thought that. I thought that we could kind of limit a bit of Joel, what he did. But 
this Joel has been a different Joel than we saw in the regular season where he's probably going to finish first or second in MVP voting. So that just goes to show, like, he has another level, whereas Fred and Pascal, unfortunately, haven't. Mm. No, that's I think that's that's well said. And we were, we were watching the overtime, me and Will, before the show. Like, some of the shot-making from Joel and B was just ridiculous. Oh, my God. Not even just the, the game winner. But after, so Fred drives, collapses the paint, kicks out to OG. OG with the sidestep three to beat the shot clock, hits the three. Incredible. Raptors go from down two to up one. And then the Sixers go the other way, give it to Embiid in the middle of the floor. And he's, he does a 360 jumper on the free throw line. And I'm like, wow. And this is a like, seven-footer no, wow. seven doing this. Like, yeah. the moves that he's pulling off like, are just, like, ridiculous. unbelievable, that shot, man. Remember that dunk, too, that he had yesterday in yeah. the third quarter on Pascal? Like, mm-hmm. and he was looking dead tired, too. Nah. <laughs> I love how Orange nah, just or- making noises. Nah, Orange, man. Come on. <laughs> but, but, but he was, like, tugging at his shorts. You could see he was exhausted. And, and for him to put up that performance, yeah. which is remarkable. And listen, I know no Raptors fans want to hear this today. Like Will Lou said at the end of the React pod. He's like, just don't engage in this content yeah, if yeah, you yeah. don't want to. No, look away. No, I, I get it. But look but away. at the end of the day, if you want to talk about why the Sixers are up 3-0, you know, you have to talk about how Joel Embiid has played. And you have to yeah, talk about dominant. how Tyrese Maxey has played. And you know what? Tobias Harris, too. I know he missed that shot at the end of regulation yesterday. But I think Tobias Harris has been really good on the defensive end. Yeah, against Pascal. In addition to, you know, the two offensive games that he had. And if, if Raptors fans want to look at reasons why, it's all those reasons plus the fact that the Raptors have had, have had to fight with injuries. And yeah. Philly's clearly been the better team. And there was a lot of excitement going into the playoffs. You know, we picked the Raptors in seven. A lot of people talking about a first-round upset. And last night was the first game of the series that we saw a game play out the way that I think we expected to. And unfortunately, it's too late. It's 3-0. Mm. Yeah, it is what it is. Yeah. Uh, Oren, I, I just want to compare this experience for you to, like, Previous times the Raptors were down 3-0. And I want to get a quick ranking from you in the next minute. You got Washington, 2015. Yep. They were down 3-0. Yep, I have, I have all these up, by the way. 2017? Yeah, Washington, they were down 3-0. They lost by uh, 31 points in game four in Washington. Damn. Uh, 2017, this was when Kyle was hurt. Uh, they ended up losing game four at home. By only oh, I seven was, I points. Was there, baby. I paid two hundred Canadian dollars for that one. Twenty eighteen, the uh Lebronto year, they lost game four by thirty five points. That's the one where uh Damar smacked Jordan Clarkson for his last play of the round. Yes, yeah, flagrant yeah. two. Um yeah, Orin, uh, feel free to pick your favorite from those. I mean, my can we all agree this is better than favorite. any of those? <laughs> Come on, man. Yeah, this exactly. Is, yeah. This is easily the the best. I think the worst is probably 2018 because we knew changes were coming, right? Yeah. It was like, yeah. yeah. And the Raptors were the number one seed. And the Cavaliers were not a really good team. Uh, the scenarios are way different. I agree with you guys. This is a first-round series. This is a development year. This is house money, all this stuff you guys talked about. But listen, it doesn't take away the pain in the moment. Yeah, because you the feel playoffs it now, and then the, tomorrow yeah. we're going to be in your speaking propaganda again. We'll see about we're that. We're that shameless. <laughs> we'll see about that. No, but we like, are. Yes, like in the moment, it is tough. The morning after, it is tough. But I think when the season is over and, you know, in the next week, two weeks, when you have a chance to zoom out and we start talking about the season as a whole and look forward to what the Raptors need to do in the offseason, you know, it's not going to hurt this much. It won't. 
There you go. Oren, appreciate you, bro. Get some sleep. <laughs> Read I'm, all uh, I'm actually well-rested. I'm just, uh, you know, a little sad and, uh, <laughs> you know, you know, just like, we know, just like I'm sure you guys are. Just like I'm sure you guys are. We've had a tough night, but we're going to bounce back like the Raptors. That's right. And, Raps, uh, Raps and seven, yeah. Baby. Raps and seven. Raps and seven. All right. Take care, guys. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Appreciate it, Arn. Shouts to Arn, man. The only person in media more monotone than me. <laughs> I couldn't believe what he's what he was. He's like, hey, guys. <laughs> I'm doing all right. Yeah, listen. We're tomorrow, doing all right. We're going to we're gonna come back. We're going to have a more positive outlook on it. And even if we don't, again, the season has still been really good. So that does it for us today. I'm your host, Will Lou. That's Alex Wong. You're listening to The Raptor Show, powered by DoorDash on Sportsnet 590 The Fan. Make sure you find The Raptor Show wherever you listen to podcasts and subscribe. Please rate and review our show. Thanks again to our producer and co-host, Alex Wong, to our guests, Vivek Jacob and Oren Weisfeld, our board producer, Lance Kennedy, Jennifer Olnick, for helping us behind the scenes with YouTube. I'll talk to you soon. <laughs>